This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> So I came, scored in the the 23s game the next day and uh, ended up signing as like a player coach. Um, and uh, it was wonderful because it was, I'd do a little bit of coaching or try, but, you know, nothing. I wasn't experienced enough to lead, lead an age group or anything, but I, I got to train with the first team every day, most days. Um, I'd be on the bench. I made one appearance and it was just... It was a really, you know, you didn't have the pressure of three points on you. You know, as a player, you you, you know, you've got the Saturday win, everything's fine, lose, you know, you, know, you it gets, it drags you down after a while. You know, I got to train, be part of the lads, learn a little bit about coaching and, you know, experience working under Mick and TC. So it was an absolute, it's a fantastic year. Seems like a, a really big theme, Alan, is you, there's not this kind of, long arc on your career just things happened and you've thought off the cuff and you've thought on your feet and just kind of rolled with it because um you speak quite um sort of calmly and at peace with going from retiring you know and then into coaching and sounds like you you kind of just rolled with everything as it was happening right um yeah you you kind of have to It, it was you know I'd started a business degree I'd start done my badges or my first badge. You know, you you are aware you have to prepare, but it doesn't. You're still not ready for it when it comes. You know, nothing really. You know, all of a sudden you're earning you're earning really good money. The next week you're not earning any money, or you're earning you know a, a small a fraction. And um, I had so much going on with dad first kid and house what we do selling house and this and that and the other that I didn't have to, I didn't have time to think about you know 
was I retired, you know, it just kind of crept up on me. So, um, uh, you know, I, I simply didn't have the time. And then when you start working as a coach, you very quickly, you, you can be seven days a week and you don't have time to, um, time to reflect really. Part of that role, because you were playing in the 21s regularly, weren't you? Was, was that kind of helping the lads around you, the young lads around you, in, 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 uh, while you were sort of playing in that, in that team? Well, I'd like to, certainly as I got older, I was never one of these that if I wasn't playing, I'd be in a bad mood. When I wasn't playing and Jordan Rhodes, another young centre forward playing, I would be their biggest fans. Oh. I'd be up and down the touchline, you know, and I, I don't, I, I've never been jealous of anyone in my life. I'm really lucky. I don't, it's not the way, I, it's not, it's just not how I am. It's not how I've been brought up. And I'd like to think I helped the kids, but I used to ask to play in those games because I love playing football and I love playing football under no pressure. Um, so a couple of games, Mick, you know, I'd be losing my head because we weren't working hard enough. So then Mick would take me off, right? Because I'd be running around, you know, not doing myself any good. Mick said, listen, get off. I'll just don't, you know, just relax a bit. And um, But I'd like to think by example, you know, I help because if I, if I turn up, if I was playing five aside, head tennis, anything, I turn up, I want to win that game. Now, obviously, there's no three points, you know, but I wanted to show, you know, I, you know, ex-professional footballers are generally like that. They turn up and their mentality is, we're going to treat this, do this properly. And I'd like to think I helped others with that. Um, particularly, in, it's hard to rep, it's hard to get that in 23s and youth team football. So, um Hopefully, I helped out a little bit. And then is it summer 2014, you, the career was over? It was, just, it was the, cycling, the charity cycling thing that, that sort of did you in ultimately, wasn't it? Yeah, I'd, it's funny enough, I trained all that year. Mick said, listen, we're going to leave it next year. You're just coaching. And I think he saw the look in my face. <laughs> and a couple of days later, and he said, oh, listen, Alan, I think we'll just keep you registered. You know, why the hell not? We love having you around and training with the lads and all that. So we'll, we'll keep, we'll do the same. Anyway, and that pre-season, I was doing a 50, did a 50 mile bike ride with Milts and a training. I'm going up the hill. My knee gets sore and it swells up. And I'm playing a charity cricket game the next day. And I'll still play the game. I'm thinking there's something different in my knee. It's not right. Anyway, I go in to see Matt Bayard, the physio, goes for a scan. He goes, listen, you're completely finished. There's no way back from this. We, we've, you, you need an operation. It's an osteotomy, I think they call it, where they cut your leg, your bone and your leg, stretch it so the angle of your the angle of your leg goes, puts more weight on the outside of your knee, which is the good part. I mean, as a surgeon said, you're not going to thank me for this. It's a horrible operation. Might not make it any better, but it might give you an extra few years on that knee. So I had the operation, and that was, that was horrible. It was, um, you know on crutches, a lot of pain, a hell of a lot of pain. Um, and, but it, it did, it's probably got to me at this point now where I can still work and, you know, get around a bit on my knee. Uh, but that was me completely finished. And so at that point in your coaching career, were you in charge of the 18 or working with Gerard with the 18s at that point? So, so then I started like full-time working with the 18s. Uh, I was assistant to Gerard. Um, and we worked quite well 
together. Uh, I would, um, I'd be in charge of discipline and all the jobs. Um, Jared didn't want to do that. I'd do the paperwork and all the logging. There's so much paperwork involved now. And I'd do the kind of one-on-one stuff. I'd always like trying to play head tennis with the boys afterwards, do the heading, do the crossing, do the basics before or after training. So I, I quite enjoyed that stuff. You know, I didn't really want to be involved in picking the team or whatever. And um, if there was, you know, I, I felt I'd really, my, my strong point, you know, if, if the lads weren't, if the lads needed digging out, I'm very happy to dig, dig them out and be straight and I wouldn't care who, who was. <laughs> Alan, we, we got a lot of questions. Um, and I've got to say this politely to our young players. Get a lot of questions on the podcast because young players haven't necessarily come through and succeeded to the level of perhaps hype that the that the fans give them. And we were sort of getting a lot of questions at the end of last season. Are our young players not as good as we think we are or have they not been put in first team situations in a position to succeed? Now, I appreciate you've you've worked with these guys and you're not going to throw them under the bus. Can you understand fans asking that question and are they barking up the wrong tree? Um, well, there's, there's, there's a lot going on there and there's, there's no easy way to answer that. One, there is talent. There is talent in this area, in this academy. Um, one thing is, I'm not sure you can judge any player with kind of what's happened over the last three years. You know, I, I don't know if we can get to the bottom of anyone, you know, from what I've seen with the style of play and what's been going on. You know, if, if I was a player, I wouldn't like to be judged and someone say, right, you're good or you're bad. Um, but there is, there is, all, there's, there's other issues. There's, yes, the play, young players, what you, what you don't need around good young players is hype. You know, shock horror, it's hard to keep young men's feet on the ground. <laughs> that is, I know that becomes a big surprise. So it, I, I'm not aware of another club that the fans, there's this buzz around young players before they've done anything and before they've played 20, 30 games, you, you know, and played really well and broke, you know, and really earned their rights. So that doesn't make it easy. You know, the amount of players that, um, and you, 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 you every, every step away is so much harder than the last. So, for me, a young player just playing a couple of games doesn't mean anything. And in fact, it can do damage if he's not earned that. But if he's not earned that, he can do damage. So I think there is there is more buzz around young players than is helpful. But ultimately... Alan, sorry to interrupt. Is that something unique to Ipswich? Because obviously Palace is an absolute hotbed for good young London players. Is that is that a delusion that perhaps Ipswich fans have a little bit? I, I don't know if it, I, I, I'd hate to call it a delusion like that. No, sorry, that's my words. I'm not, I'm not trying to give you a leading question. Um, it's more like Palace have done the business. Like I, I played with Wilf when he made his debut. That guy, absolute first game in the championship, started up front of me and I thought, mm, I have to look after this kid. I couldn't keep up with him. 
he absolutely <laughs> blew everyone away. And I'm going, this guy is just, I, I cannot believe what I'm watching. Um, I nicked one of his goals. Um, <laughs> and they've, uh, and they, you know, they've been producing real assets and selling them for, for big money. Um, and I, I think, you, you know, like anything, I think there's, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't want to push players down or anything, but you, 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 you're not, you're not a professional footballer in my eyes till you've owned it, you've earned it. And, and I think the hype and that doesn't, it doesn't help when, when you're that youth team manager or 23s manager, whatever, it, 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 it doesn't help if there's a loss. It doesn't help you educate those kids. Do you want to follow up on that, Phil? Yeah, I can see. I, I just wonder sort of how much that's to do with the kind of history of the club, really, as much as anything else. We have that the sort of mythologised Ipswich way uh, that we've, we've sort of talked about before, I think, that um, <laughs> about young players coming through under Bobby Robson and all that kind of thing. It, it's an aspect of that, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. Um, and there's the excitement and anticipation. Um, but, you you know, I guess back then, no one would have even known until they played in the first team, did well. No one, had, no one had a clue who they are. They wouldn't have had agents. They wouldn't have already bought a car. They wouldn't have already had a pro deal. They probably went from an apprenticeship, probably someone like Charlie Woods on the case every day. And then if they did in the first team, you know, and did well, they probably eventually got a pro contract and all this noise wasn't there. And it was a much healthier environment. Talk about John Walt making his debut at 17, George Burley at 17. So I think there's that kind of, from, from that era, players coming through at that age and then perhaps in the late 90s, Kieran, Richard Wright, um, James Scowcroft, all those players. So there's that perhaps expectation that they're, that players are going to follow in their footsteps. But So I suppose in the one hand, there's always that kind of over-expectation of supporters and, um, and that weight of expectation on those players as well when they come in the team, um, being kind of um, lauded to too great a degree too soon i suppose is, is what you're saying yeah but it, it's it's not it's not just the fans i mean young players now they're commodities they are you, you you think about the noise everything in the background with academies and you know you've got so many parents social media everyone wants a kid in the academy there's a lot of that going on with parents and what i'd say is not is well meaning from parents but not helpful and um, so you've got a kid, if they're a good player, you know, they get agents after them. They get a boot deal. They get their inexperienced coach who they're a commodity to. They, they, their coach will want to, you know, I want him to say I developed him in three years' time when he's in the first team. So he gets everything. All of a sudden that player is told, yeah, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine. Right, now you step up to the first team and Mick McCarthy, now you've got to track back. Well, oh, uh, that's not my game. And, you know, that, that's what I found was, you know, the, there's, there's so much noise. It's There's so many hurdles that actually you're, you're better off being a B player where people are, you know, not that interested in you and you've got to fight and scrap. Um, but certainly if, if, you know, how, how do you, how do you motivate a young player, keep them grounded when, you know, you've got all this going on, you know, and, and parents who, um, you know, have agents telling them, oh, the kids should be playing. You should have this, that, and the other, he should be in the first team. It, it's, it's a murky world. Let me tell oh, you. Oh. 
And you mentioned Mick, um, and you were you were sort of still at the club, weren't you? When when Mick was kind of when the relationship between fans and Mick deteriorated, um, and, and then Mick ultimately went. How how was it being at the club during that time, and as things sort of changed at the club? Well, uh, first of all, I'd gone. I had two years as assistant to Gerard. Then I became youth team manager, and I suppose that was. Um, uh, my first year, I, I started feeling this. The club's not right. You know, I I could see I'd got work closely with Mick and you know Terry, and I could see what they were doing, and I could see what how much work they were putting in, and the value they were adding to players, and what they did, and you just started getting the you know you, I just started getting the feeling. Obviously, I'd be a bit more involved in the background because I do the stuff with Milts and etc. That you know, people are, you know, Mick's not getting all the support he needs here. And I felt when we were in the playoffs and we didn't sign either centre forward lined up and we didn't sign him, and then we didn't get promoted. That was fantastic what he achieved, but then we were selling really, really good players for a lot of money. And weakening our team, and then he's kind of getting the, the stick for that. And um, you know, I, I stopped. I, I remember in his in his last season, they got beaten by Charlton uh, in preseason friendly. Six one. Six one. Obviously, oh. <laughs> you know, that was not good. It was quite low. Everyone oh, no, was on his post match interview. <laughs> they, they won the next five games and were top of the league. And I remember bumping into Ian Milne at a game, and it was we were top of the league. We won the first five games. It was, you know, it was astonishing. It wasn't going to last. But I remember saying to Ian Milne, going, I got, I got, you know, starts great. And he goes, yeah, yeah. I said, I'm so happy for Mick. And he looked and goes, mm, like that. And I'm going, you're not happy I said that. And I thought, this... It's really strange what's going on here. Like, don't they realise Mick is the biggest assets that the asset they have, and the way he does, you know, what he's doing, and um, and you just started to feel like working in the academy. I thought it was a very unprofessional environment. There was so much going on. The behaviours, lack of discipline. I mean, from coaches, uh, standards. Everyone was trying to go on every course to try and get as much qualifications as they could. Everyone's trying to show that tactically they can work with a first team and win games. You know, very few people would actually do a bit of work one-on-one with players. Every decision was short-term. No one was really looking after. No one was making long-term decisions for the good of the football club. And I felt it had taken over the club. And the whatever I could see... There was no support there. I started hating working there, and I could see in Mick the stress, and that's the stress built um, because he didn't deserve the treatment he was getting, and he wasn't getting support from the club. Um, and ultimately, I remember the day it was sorted out. That he had the meeting with Marcus, and obviously his contract wasn't renewed or whatever they said it was mutual. He came in the next day. And he looked five years younger. And I realized, actually, it's the best thing for you. 
he just had this weight off his shoulders. He was carrying everything. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a mad time to work at the club. You could see everything going. It was like a car crash in slow motion. And it it was like the five-point plan and this idea that we're going to stroke it around at the back. And I can remember thinking, I've, I've got to get out of here. I've, I've had very little respect for the people I was working with, um, or most of them, certainly. Um, in the space of two years, we lost Mick, Terry Connor, Andy Little, Malcolm Webster, Simon Milton, uh, Steve McGavin, James Scowcroft, Titus Bramble, Steve Foley, Ben Pugh, Duncan Wheeler. Sorry if I've missed anyone. The We'd, we'd, we'd miss so many people who you could depend on to do their job for Ipswich Town. They didn't want to go work for the first team. They didn't want to up their careers or, you know, think about the next job. You could depend on these guys to do, do good. And they all went. And I thought, um, I've got to get out of here. I can't, I can't look at sponsors in the eyes or do the end of season player of the year awards I think, oh, this is this is great, and we're on the the right track because I knew we weren't. You know, the just decisions weren't being made for the right of the football club, and the football club suffered badly because of it. I was going to say, so ultimately, the the buck there stops with Marcus, doesn't it? In, in terms of, and, and we've talked a lot recently about structure, and that that kind of that's what was lacking, wasn't it? Really, during Marcus's era. Um, absolutely. Listen, there's no if. If there's no with leadership, you have to have respond accountability. So what I found there was no accountability throughout the club. You know, coaches, people, people didn't have to do their jobs. Some people chose to do them. Some didn't know how to do them. But you, no one had to do their jobs. No one was responsible for anything. No one was. Um, so you know, without that, it was just the wild west. And I think the, the people that Marcus had in charge or the people he went to for leadership had no idea what professional footballer, you know, what you might have to do to be a successful professional footballer, to become a professional footballer, to run a team or where to invest or what to do. So like when, when the five point plan was going out, I was thinking, what, what were we doing before? You know, <laughs> but it's a soundbite. Um, I remember when we're saying, Mark, we're going to stroke it around the back and everyone had this plan. And I'm thinking, I remember straight to Brian Clue, Brian, we're, we will get relegated. Do the people re not realise what, you know, why Mick, why Mick had to play the way he did last year? Um, so it was insane because we, um, we were saying we were going to all, stroke it around at the back I remember they were looking for a manager I remember phoning Dave Bowman saying what about this manager what about this you know if you've got some experience he goes um, an old manager of mine phoned me up and said Alan can you get my CV in and I phoned Dave Bowman and Dave Bowman said they won't even consider him I said, but he's had two promotions to the Premier League and he goes yeah I know but they want some young fresh and I'm going but you know you had this mad situation where you got the impression right the job is going to be given to somebody who is inexperienced enough to say, yes, I can work under those budget constraints and play it out from the back. And you could see it coming. 
Um, but again, no one was really responsible. No one knew would come up with a plan. And, you know, I certainly know that anyone who is experienced and honest at that football club was not consulted. So oh. anyone qualified to, to put a plan together was not consulted. So, so this is kind of the blind leading the blind to some degree in, in the fact that Marcus was putting these plans together without being the person with the kind of experience and the knowledge of the game. Yeah, I mean, it, it might, there might be good plans for Man City. You know, they might sound good. And, and everyone says, oh, well, if you play the same formation throughout the club, that'll help. Um, anyone who suggests that just hasn't worked in youth development at our level. That is about so far from the truth. You know, <clears> you, you simply don't know what you're talking about if you think that's a helpful perspective knowing the challenges you have with youth and you know that's so it's just nonsense um but i remember seeing you know at that stage i'd uh I'd, i've got to get out of here and i you know i'd accepted the role with comfort um but i was still in uh uh the club had said, Ian Mill and Leonie, I said, listen, we don't want you to leave and want to keep some involvement. And I made the mistake saying, okay, we'll badger the Ipswich Town Initiative at Colford. So about two weeks in, I thought uh, my contract still hadn't been sorted out. It has been messed around. wasn't getting any help. And I walked into uh, the headmaster. I could see everything still going on at the club. Everyone thought they were going to get promoted that year, by the way. You know, before the, before the season had started, and I went to see the headmaster, and I said, "Listen, I'm walking in tomorrow and handing my notice in Ipswich Town. I want nothing to do with it anymore. You can either take me on or not." He said, "No, we want you. We don't want Ipswich Town." So I walked into Lee the next day, handed my notice, and Lee, I'm gone. Here's my notice. Oh no, we've got your contract sorted out. I said, "No, it's not about that. I couldn't give a shit. I'm gone. I don't want a fuss made. I don't want to talk about what I've seen, what I've experienced here. I'm just gone." and see you later. I'll work my notice out. I won't say anything to the kids. So I worked with the under 15s for a month, worked my notice out. Um, bumped into Paul Hurst, who I'd played with. And uh, the first thing I said was, Hurst, are you going to be stroking it around at the back? And he gives me the most unconvincing answer ever. He kind of goes, well, you know what it's like pre-season. We've got to do a bit of that. But once the season starts, and I thought, God, you, you don't know what you've walked into here. Was he was he completely a dead man walking from day one then, from your perspective? Yeah, I think so. Listen, it would be unfair. Hursty's like, I know there's, you know, I think being a manager changes people and they're under so much pressure and I've seen it where they, you know, they, um, they change. But I know Hursty's a good guy, basically. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, I suppose he got that job by saying, I'm, I'm guessing that by saying yes, we can we can put this together, play good football, use the youth. Yes, sell our best players. We've got other targets, and they'll work. And um, you know, I, I felt he was up against us. You know, I, um, I, I think he'll probably admit he's, he made some mistakes. You know, he made some other mistakes. But I thought you, you, you're not you're not going to achieve that with that set of players. Like bearing in mind, we released David McGoldrick for free. We sold yeah. Webster. Well, let, let's just pause on that. We, we let David McGoldrick go on a free. You know, 
we sold Webster, but at the same time we're saying we're going to start, you know, playing out from the back. You know, it just made no sense. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Whether you want to protect yourself whilst online or just get access to more streaming content, NordVPN has the solution for you and are now in partnership with us here at Blue Monday. NordVPN can be your cyber bodyguard whilst you're browsing online, but it also allows you to access more streaming content from abroad like sporting events, box sets or films. With one click of a button, NordVPN can digitally transport you to the US, Australia or Amsterdam. For the price of an ITFC match programme each month, you can subscribe to NordVPN and have access to these great services. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, head to nordvpn.com slash bluemonday or click the link in the podcast description. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, so get yourself a great deal and support the podcast in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I mean, actually, yeah. you talk about the stru- lack of structure. It's it's difficult to kind of put a finger on who actually released David McGoldrick, isn't it? Because Mick had gone by that time, Paul Hurst hadn't come in by that time, and someone made a decision on it. Yeah, and and that's what I say. No, no responsibility. No, no one accountable for anything. You know, no one was there, kind of with experience, going right. What's what's a five year? What the decisions the manager have to make, and Mick, like Mick, would have to. You know, Mick's got a his aim. What that club needed was to get to the Premier League. Mm. We understood that it didn't need a philosophy. It didn't need this. It didn't need that. It needs to get to the Premier League so we can have proper investments. And yeah. for Marcus to make money back, and fair play to him. You know, I, I feel sorry for him because I'm, you know, I'm sure he's, he's sunk a lot of money and, and nothing to show for it now. Um, that's what the club needed, uh, and it's not what it got. Um, but yeah, there was no one there with experience making club, you know, long-term decisions for the good of the club, and just can, didn't happen. Oh. I can see you're getting yeah. amped up and sort of quite passionate about it, Alan. What's the what's the overriding feeling about it? Because it looks like you just want to bash your head against the wall when you're talking about it. Yeah, I do. Well, there's quite a few of us who, you know, we thought, you know, at, at the time when this was all going on, we were all like, you know, what, you know, what is, you know, how can this be happening? Um, I care, I, I cared passionately about doing my job. I didn't want to work in the first team. I worked seven days a week. Uh, I did all the individual stuff that no one helped me with the kids day in, day out. Um, and I did a good job. At the end of my first year, Flynn Downs went straight, was ignored by the 23s, went straight in the first team, did well. End of my second year, Jack Lancaster went straight in the first team, did well. Uh, no, And when I left, the disappointing thing was I left Ipswich Town. No one said thank you. 
No one said, well done. No one had the decency to say good luck. Uh, uh, I know Rosie Richardson phoned me up like about a month after I mentioned even realized I'd left and said, Alan, what, you know, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, respect for Rosie, but um, I felt that I was a problem because I was pointing out actually the standards aren't right. This isn't right. This isn't right. Along with other people, but a lot of other people left as I did. Right. I've had enough. We can go on do big, we can do better things. But the problem was we were usually replaced by someone's golf partner or someone's relative, or someone lacking the experience and say la vie. But, can I just pick up, can I pick up quickly, Phil, sir, on a couple of those players you just talked about? Because obviously you are rightly proud of Flynn Downs coming. I remember seeing his debut against, um, against Birmingham, wasn't it? And he was excellent. And Lancaster as well came into a languishing team and played with some swagger. What, what what's the what's the next move for them? Because you've already spoken about young players being not put into good circumstances, and now Phil will come onto the takeover in a second. Um, can you speak on those players, Dizel as well, possibly? Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to point out individuals. I, I, I didn't work with Andre. You know, Andre went straight. It was always Andre was an England player. Had to be the twenty threes. Had to be with the uh, with the expert coaches. Uh, I worked a lot with Flynn. Didn't need a lot of work. Just needed arm rounders. I managed a bit more. I could say I managed not to mess him up. <laughs> and I did everything I could to support him. And afterwards, Terry and Mick said, "Listen, he's got the right habits. Well done." Um, Jack Lancaster was different. He when he came into the youth team. No one wanted anything to do with him. He was seen as like, you know, someone who was a problem, who was a good player when he's 12, 13, but now everyone had washed their hands of him and, um, you know, did did a lot with Jack, gave him a lot of bollockings, gave him a lot of well-dones. I never gave him one ounce of talent. You can't give anyone talent. The boy has loads of talent, but he's a good kid, well brought up, and he came around. And he did well, um, but he, he he needs to now. And I speak to him. He said he needs to get himself fit. That is the only thing he's had. You know, he's had bad injuries. You know, forget about what happens three years down the line or what. He needs to get himself from space and make sure he doesn't get injured again. Um, but uh, it was, uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's did. Yeah, I, I, I was proud of helping out, even if it's a little bit. Well, people like Tristan as well. Tristan's obviously um, been released this summer after a very difficult couple of years. For it, you must feel for him. Yeah, um, really good kid, really good work ethic. Has he released? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I didn't think he had, to be honest, but I'm um, oh, sorry to hear that. Um, again, listen, you, you can't quantify... You, you get an injury like that, you know. I just, I just hope he's. I hope he makes a full recovery. He has made a full recovery, and he's got, you know, he's got a chance because, you know, I think that was one kid who had the, you know, good mentality. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I think, and um, so you spoke, spoke about Paul Hurst and why it all went. Oh, obviously, it only lasted so long with him, um, 
and, and for reasons and and again paul lambert comes in and and presumably because the structure's all wrong he's onto a onto a loser to start with as well um yeah, well, I mean, I remember Paul Lambert, I'd handed my notice in, I got to meet him once, and he did look me in the eye and gave me a shake of hand like that, and I thought, um, not, not sure about you. Um, uh, and, and then I think, like, I think that was a mad period for the club, because I remember watching games, and the, the team wasn't doing the basics, I'll, I'll never forget. I, 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 they were playing Brentford away, and it was probably the last chance to win a game and stay up that year. They'd have a dreadful run, but you need to win that game. They're two one. They're two one down, or two. They're either goal or two down. And Brentford have a goal kick, and they'd all back off. And I'm thinking, I've, I've never seen that. You've got to win the game. You might as well go down fighting. But I just thought there was, you know, you'd watch so many things happening. You go. I can't work out what's going on, but the fans were, you know, the fans were buzzing it, were buzzing with it. And I could never work that out. Um, so uh, I think, yeah, things certainly weren't right, but um, uh, I didn't think it could go as badly wrong as it did. You know, finishing last in that matter, in that that manner. Um, I think what people need to do was right. We've got our first team. Do what Mick and Terry did, and we've got our bubble. We've got our influence. We've got our way of doing it. Now we've got to try and rescue the situation. Um, but I also always got the impression that again, probably Paul Lambert got the job by saying, "Yes, I'll play four 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 three three. We'll always play it out from the back, and we'll be good enough to coach the players." And that's the impression I got. I could be wrong. Probably unfair of me to comment on that, um, but um, I think um, it was. I, I think when he was speaking and all that, and I think back to the people we've had represent the club as managers. Um, I don't think he fitted the bill. No, um, I don't think so. Him having banned me. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I, I think for a period of two or three years, just the whole club just suffered from a lack of honesty from everyone. Once you've got that, and no one's accountable, no responsibility, any, it's anyone can do what they like, you know, and I, I think there was, there was so many like announcements. Oh, listen, we've got new hedges in the, and, and a new fence in the training ground. And it would be, everyone go, yes, God, this is oh, really positive. And you go, and, oh, you know, what a load of bollocks, you know, that, that money should be spent on young players. Or, as Mick did, spend it on the pitches, maybe. So, um, I, you know, I think the, the club suffered from that for two or three years. Oh. But it's a fresh start, do you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, at the moment, they've got Paul Cook, Gary Roberts. You won't get people more honest than them. But the, the whole club should scrap all the, all the, um, the you know, it, it should, it, everything should be based on honesty. They'll get back to where they should be. Um, and um, Paul Cook's your man for that, let me tell you. Well, he's obviously, you, you talk about him being a kind of very honest figure, and we found that impressive. I think probably he would say he's been too honest in some of the things he said about the players towards the end of the season, too, too, too hot on his sleeve, perhaps. Um, but also the structure, again, th this kind of accountability that you, you talked about not being there in the last few years, that's definitely going to be there 
with the the new management the new ownership isn't it yeah you'd, you'd think so um you know I, I guess it's the you know if it's pension fund money someone will be accountable um and that's exactly what the club needs you know and i think that's um it's like so i'm i'm trained to be a financial advisor at the moment uh if i if i, if I do well for my clients they'll come back and they'll recommend me to other people if i mess them around i won't do very well if i um do anything illegal i'll be arrested or struck <laughs> off i'm fine with that you know <laughs> And, and football clubs should be run like that. There should be accountability. When you cross the white line, there's accountability. Um, Ex-footballers tend to be good at that. Um, and that's that's what the club has been lacking. And if it has it now, you'll see, you know, uh, you know, at, at, at least um, at least decisions will be made. You'd like to think decisions will be made for the good of the club that actually benefit the club. And speaking to someone who I think, if we got the number right, has been promoted from the third tier to the second tier three times. Um, what's the what's the secret to League One promotion? Um, it, yeah, listen, I had four seasons, got promoted three times, and hate the minute of us. It, it's hard. <laughs> it, it, um, what what I'd say is. It, you know, again, forget about philosophy, playing out from the back. You, you've you've got to win games. And here's what always confused me about when what what happened. We mentioned the pitch being wonderful years ten years ago at Ipswich. So now the pitch, not not true anyway. The the pitch needs 1.5 million spent on it, and you know, pitch isn't any good. So if you know. Even things like that, you, you can't you can't play really good football on that pitch. It looks fine, but believe me, it isn't. So forget about find a winning formula for those players, um, and then it's all about digging in. And you've got to dig in, and it feels like it feels like you've games. You don't have games every Saturday, Tuesday, but it certainly feels like it is. You usually get less international international rests. Your preseason is critical. Um, you've got to get this notion out that players can't play Saturday, Tuesday. You have to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. It's it's been done before, believe me. It'll be done done again. Um, but most of all, you need a really honest staff, backroom, and players themselves. And the responsibility needs to be shifted from, all oh, right, we've got the tactics today and all this, and we're going to do this. We're going to be so good at the ball to so actually the players. When they cross the line, are going to work out what needs to happen and um, dig deep to win to win every game, to try and win every game. Um, and um, yeah, I'd, I'd you know I'd, I'd love I'd love to see them do it. Um, having played with Cookie and Robbo um, and Franny, um, you know I really want them to succeed. So of course you played with Paul Cook at Burnley. I was just trying to think you say that. Yeah, yeah. My, my brain was doing that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what was he like as a teammate in the dressing room then? Plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's exactly the same he was. The you know, life and soul, loud, um uh t- t- again, 
when you think about it, like, like really positive, like a really positive ca character, really positive, have fun with you, lift you up if you're down, um, the type of personality that will light up a room. So if if you're training and he's not there, you know, it could go a bit flat. If he's there, it's never going to be flat. So, um, yeah, good, a good guy, Re really good player. Any oh, culture. And and um, just one small worry fans have, um, Alan, is too much change happening at once with literally an entire hard reset. H how does a club cope with all of that change to then do the things you were saying a minute ago about promotion? Well, you know, obviously recruitment is crucial. First of all, I, I don't think, you know, it's been well reported, being said. I see that as Paul Cook saying, right, who's really up for a fight and who's going to prove me wrong next year? And if I was a player, that would certainly be my ment mentality. If I'd been told, uh, you can go, um, but I've got, I can, I'm coming back in pre-season, I'd be bang at it. Um, so I, I think I think that might turn out to be a clever bit of man management. Um, well, I guess Cookie's hoping so anyway. Um the the new owners recruitment is everything getting this right is you know I, th I think there's so many conversations to be had we we can't until you know what budget they have to actually spend we can't comment on what you know where you can invest where you can make the club better is um hitting the, the re recruitment is crucial critical because we do know they they do need some they they do need strength. We know we need strengthening, obviously, um, uh, and they'll probably live or die by that. And, and Franny Jeffers, of course, you've already spoken about him and Gary Roberts. Are they are they people you kind of saw as, as coaches of the future? Um, I'm not necessarily. I'd have never seen myself as a coach. <laughs> no one, you know, I, I, it's. Um, I suppose, yeah, a cookie. How good is with people, Robbo? Um, I, I think, I, I think that's the important bit of any any coaching, managing. It's like, can you deal deal with people? Can you recognise what different people need? So, um, they're three scousers. They're great with people. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I couldn't, um, um, I wouldn't have ruled it out for any of them. Maybe Robbo, if I'm honest, but. <laughs> I, I love Gary. I absolutely, I still miss Gary Roberts because having him as a teammate was just so much fun. So, uh, <laughs> love him to bits. I'm going to talk to you about Berry Town and and um, sort of how you ended up at, at Berry Town and what your role is now. When I was at Culford, Russell and Ben Chenery uh, touched me and just said, "Listen, Al, we heard we've heard you've left Ipswich. Can you just come down and get involved?" and um, I thought, yeah, what, why, you know, right, I'll, I'll come down. And then got myself entwined into, listen, I, I'm a director of Berrytown. I do, I don't like a fancy, a fancy title. Um, I work for free, uh, volunteer my time, along with uh, numerous others who give more time than me as well. And we just try and do what's good for the club. And I work... 
Sometimes I take a, a girls under 15s team. Sometimes I coached under 14s, under 15s, under 16s. I've taken the first team when Ben's been ill. I've gone on, you know, I've taken the, taken the first team with the assistant manager and I just try and lend a hand. Uh, and it's going really well. We've done so much of the club together. Um, we've spent about £150,000 in new facilities. We've got into town coming for a friendly um, in July. Um, we've built a new stand, new perimeter fencing. Our teams are growing. And we, and we just want to create something there for the, the community you can be proud of. Um, and I think we're achieving that. We've got a... Starting September, we've got our Berrytown Academy, which is a free education program for boys and girls between 16 and 18. And it's delivered by West Suffolk. It's being hosted by Colford. Um, and it's got the Berrytown badge. But you know what? It's for everyone in West Suffolk and Suffolk. Um, if, if your kid's playing for us in that scheme, we've already spoken to all the clubs. We'll be sending them back to play for the youth teams at the clubs as well. And we just want to do some good. So I've been really proud of that in particular with, um, I work very closely in everything I do now with Ben Chenery, who's just a wonderful guy. Um, and Ben will be delivering and coaching that program. And there's nothing like it out there. But So to have those three institutions come together and no one ask for money, you know, everyone just say, right, what's good for the area? Yes, we'll do this. The headmaster saying, yes, we'll do this. We'll support that. We don't want any money from, from us. It's wonderful. So really proud of Colford, who I'm staying with. Um, Berrytown, West Suffolk College. Um, but there's there's other people in the club. Russell Ward, Chris Ward, his son, volunteers, uh, Stephen Gerald, Jason Day, who work tirelessly for that club and it's so heartwarming coming from the culture i saw at ipswich town to here you know it's blown my mind away so um i think sometimes it's easy for an ex-footballer to get the head some of the headlines or but it's just honestly not like that there's so many people mucking in with so many things and you know our um you know with our fans we sold out 450 every game last year it was wonderful so um, I'm very proud to be involved. I started work as a financial advisor as I slipped in earlier. I'm already advising on mortgages, <laughs> life insurance. So I'll be checking your status after this, you two. Um, so <laughs> anyone, anyone can get in touch. I've got another couple of years of study to be done to do before I can advise on investments. Maybe not a couple of years. Um, but I'm studying personal tax uh, at the moment tax at the moment and it is challenging but i enjoy the challenge and um i'm yeah i'm really positive i've got loads to do loads on um so uh i i love living in suffolk i don't see me i had an opportunity for a first team job up north and i just couldn't do it it was around the time i was leaving the academy and i thought i can't leave here i've got a five-year-old and eight-year-old We've got horses, dogs, we're in the middle of nowhere. I can't chase that um, right now. So um, I'm going to continue continue uh, work at Berrytown, Colford and financial advice. Well, the, the Berrytown side of things sounds very similar to how you were talking about Salt Hill, Devon. Um, yeah, listen, don't get me wrong, it has its challenges. You know, you have your... Like any football club, I, th I think 
you, you can have your philosophies or whatever, or you can have people making good decisions over um, educated decisions. And I think if you get enough of them over a spell of time and people prepared to see long-term, um, and everyone at Berry is prepared to do that and is, is doing it. And we've got so, you know, we've done so well with sponsors and engaging sponsors and that on the back of that and not making everything about short-term money. Right, let's see what we can do for the people we're in partnership with. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't want to do this forever. Um, I'd like to be a fan forever, but, you know, I, I, I want to walk away having left it in just slightly better place, maybe a little bit more sustainable. Um, and then, you know, I don't really care if we're a promoter or not. So far down my list to promote of um, uh, priorities, you know, we just want to get good kids through, send them on, and entertain our fans and job done. And in fact, you've actually sent a player to Ipswich, haven't you? Ross Crane joined town last summer. Um, yes, and you know, I, I, I did in negotiations. I let him go for free. <laughs> yeah. I said, I'm not going to, you know, I knew I wasn't going to argue with Marcus and maybe get three grand, and I didn't want to stand in the way. I said, listen, just have him for free. You know, if he, if he plays a certain amount of games, we'll get a payment. Um, we get the a couple of pre-season friendlies, one in July. I'm happy with that. No, And again, there's no one. I explained my reasons to the board. They were happy, you know, yeah, fine. You know, you, you don't want to, you know, I've seen it happen. And at local clubs where they want, they want 15 grand and then the kids, well, we're not going to pay that for them and then it's gone. And that's just not what we're about. Yeah, yeah, a community club. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what you should be. I think we're there, aren't we? Um, Alan, thank covered... you. Oh, God, we've covered some grounds. Alan, thank you for being so generous with your time. I've just been thinking of how to sum up. I think fans are going to go from smiling to wanting to hide behind the sofa at some of the, <laughs> some of the revelations. But I think we might have kind of guessed that. But it's very, um, what's the word? Um <laughs> bracing to to hear some of the things that we you know and the, the the kind of situation that we thought might go on so thank you very much for being um so yeah, generous you. with your time and um, um so go ahead yeah no i just a point on that i, I don't listen I, I think ipswich town fans should be really excited i'm really positive i'm really positive about their manager and what will happen next year um i just felt it's been playing on my mind quite a bit. I felt I want to say my piece honestly about how I felt, you know, what my experience of that club. I don't want to dig dig people out. You know, I think I think it's been exposed for what it was, as you know, without me. Um, but you know, I'd encourage the fans go out buy your season tickets. Um, you've uh, I, I don't know the owners. I don't know the people involved on that side. Um, uh, but I do know Paul Cook and Gary Roberts and Franny and they're good guys. So um, Brilliant. enjoy the season. And come down to Berry Town if... <laughs> <laughs> thanks for watching or listening to the Blue Monday podcast. And thanks to those of you who have kindly supported the channel via Acast or YouTube donations. You can follow us at the usual places on social media and don't forget to subscribe so that you get our new shows first.
It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.